0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
2: The Buck Sexton Show. Kim Strassel, she is a columnist at The Wall Street Journal. She's the author of The Intimidation Game, How the Left is Silencing Free Speech. And her latest here at The Wall Street Journal is The Press Buries Hillary Clinton's Sins. Yes, indeed. Kim, great to have you as always.
1: It is so great to be here, Buck.
2: Thank you. So uh, so tell me a bit about what are we missing other you know if we if if, as you point out in your piece you see donald trump said some gross stuff about women uh, a while ago but there's other things happening including some revelations about madame secretary please do share
1: i i don't know how many hours do we have (laughs) it's just extraordinary there is so much coming out that you won't read it in hardly any newspapers you know we have for instance evidence uh that mrs clinton wasn't truthful uh, remember, you go back and she said how happy she was to be turning over all these emails to the State Department. She couldn't wait for them to be released to the public so that people could see all the hard work she'd done. Instead, behind the scenes, because of these WikiLeaks revelations, we now see that her staff was working to figure out just how many of them they could make sure never saw the light of day, how they could potentially evade a congressional subpoena requiring her to turn over the information. Uh, we have more documents that came out last week showing that uh, State Department officials were indeed giving special privileges to Clinton Foundation donors, in particular those that were offering uh, aid for, for uh, Haiti earthquake relief. They were being put into a special line where they might have got teed up for contracts. Um, We have revelations from the FBI, uh, unnamed FBI officials who are now saying that indeed uh, the the decision to not prosecute Mrs. Clinton was made from the top down, uh, that normal protocols were not followed, that the vast majority of the agents felt that she should have had a a recommendation of prosecution. So there's there's a lot out there.
2: There's a lot out there, and yet all we see is a constant drumbeat of, Not only, uh, you know, Trump and the women in the lewd remarks, but also the press is saying this is all over. I mean, not all of the press, obviously, but most of the press saying this is over. Um, This is there's no way Trump can come back from any of this. I mean, they're already sort of measuring the drapes for Hillary's White House.
1: Yeah, it's extraordinary. It's one thing to note what travails Mr. Trump might be having in his campaign, uh, to not note the travails that Mrs. Clinton has from a, a legal or ethical perspective. It's another to preordain the outcome of an election. And in doing so, I mean, this is very potentially malicious and, and interfering, Buck, in that, you know, they could be discouraging people from going to the polls. Um, and, and making it a foregone conclusion that she wins. So it, I think it's highly irresponsible reporting all around. And, you know, we have a story that came out this week, too, from an independent watchdog group. They looked at FEC records to find that, you know, vast amounts of money had been donated to Mrs. Clinton's campaign by journalists. Uh, You know, and that I think something like 90 percent, 96 percent of all the money given uh, in the presidential campaign by journalists have been given exclusively to her. (laughs) So it's not a surprise that many Americans are losing any sense of trust in the media.
2: Why do you think it is that even given that fact, which is important for everybody to to hear and it should be reiterated time and again, that the media is to say it's overwhelmingly pro-Clinton is really an understatement. But we do have this information that's out there now about all the things you've listed, right? whether it's the corruption in the Haiti contracting or uh, Hillary's email server or just the way that the Democratic Party elites view voters with a certain degree of disdain. They see them as almost like children that need to be placated and the sort of different groups of the children that need to be placated. It doesn't seem to affect her, though. You know, none of this stuff seems to catch on. Is that just a function of... There's not the media echo chamber to make it sink in, or do people just not care, or does it pale in comparison to the Trump stuff? Why isn't any of this having any impact?
1: I think the media point really does matter. I mean, you and I both know, because we work in journalism circles, that uh, the point about media bias is it, it's not just whether or not you write an article and, and the actual writing of it is biased against. it's what you choose to drive the narrative with it 's what you choose to put on the front page and make a story out there every day. And you know the press's excuses well we've been writing some pieces about uh, the WikiLeaks uh, documents. we've been writing a little bit about the FBI. The reality is that these stories are put on page twenty five They're buried inside. They're not given the attention. If you pick up the New York Times on an average day, there are six negative stories about Donald Trump on the front page. You have to go digging to find anything about Hillary Clinton. And so it's not driving the narrative. I think that's part of it. I think another part of it is, and this is more disturbing to me, there are many Americans that weirdly have just internalized the idea that the Clintons are in some way unethical and and ever so slightly corrupt. And so it's almost as if they've discounted it.
2: Right. There's nothing that the Clintons at this point or nothing that could come out about them that would shock. I've been worried about this all along, that we've almost been forced to be numb to the Clintons corruption and the way that they do business because it has been going on for so long. Quite honestly, the the fact that the main line of attack on Donald Trump is that he is a, a misogynist who sort of gropes and mistreats women. When you have Hillary Clinton's husband with a long and storied history of misogyny, of groping women, of worse than groping women, Uh, and yet I I can't remember the last time, I don't know if it's happened, but no one seems to be sitting Hillary Clinton down saying, is your your husband, uh, is he guilty of sexual assault? That question has not been asked as far as I know in the entirety of this uh, election cycle.
1: No, one it's just been sitting out there as a softball, especially it's almost as if, I mean, this is a question she invites on almost a daily basis because she has, of course, decided to orient her entire campaign around the argument that Donald Trump is vicious uh, or disrespectful to women, that he doesn't care about the plight of women. And, of course, if you look at conservative circles, people are asking all the time, begging the press to when sitting with her in an interview or during a debate, for instance, as we're going to have tomorrow night, to say, you know, how do you justify this? What do you say to, to Bill Clinton's accusers, to the women uh, who we know you've, in fact, even settled with at times? So there seems to be some admission of guilt there. What do you say to them about them? Uh, it's such an easy one. And yet the press will not go there by and large.
2: And, and we've seen Melania just last night to sit down with Anderson Cooper uh, d- answering questions about his treatment, about Trump, you know, her husband's treatment of women. And, you know, she's and she's doing this not in her first language, which I think is worth pointing out. And, and she's having to yeah. sort of stand there and and d- defend him against all these accusations I I've never seen I've never seen Hillary in this election cycle sit down and have to defend Bill Clinton for any of the things he did in the, in the past whether it's Monica or Jennifer Flowers or anything else how has that been taken off the table as an issue given that the main issue against Trump seems to be that he's so mean to women
1: I don't know how how many things have been taken off the table it's it's an extraordinary thing look look at the FBI documents that just came out this week for instance In any other environment, this ought to be the most enormous scandal. If you go and you read through this, you find out that Patrick Kennedy, the undersecretary of the State Department, was exerting immense pressure on the FBI to downgrade a document so that it wasn't classified anymore, it was unclassified. He was working on behalf of the Democratic nominee to, to extract Hillary Clinton from her classification problems we found out all kinds of details about how this process was actually run at the state department there were lawyers who were overseeing all of her emails who had in a prior life both worked at the same law firm as mrs clinton's current lawyer So, you know, I mean, this is not how government is supposed to work. We have a taxpayer-funded agency, taxpayer-funded employees who seem to be pulling all on the same oar to help a Democratic nominee get elected to the White House by covering up her misbehavior. Uh, And we have a press that seems utterly uninterested in covering that
2: story. Do you think that the debate tomorrow night can be a a game changer in terms of the polls and where we see the election going, or do you think that at this point it's It's going to take more than just that to turn Donald's fortunes around.
1: Well, look, for one thing, I'm not sure we know where we are exactly. You do have, as you said, all of these, the drive-by media all saying it's over, it's done. The polls certainly show her at a seven-point average lead out there, and by any fair reading, it would suggest, in fact, that he would have grave difficulty turning around this election. The tough part about this is that what we don't know, for instance, is how many people out there are these kind of crowds of Trump voters? They have not voted before. Are they going to turn out on Election Day? Does that skew the polls in some way? I mean, or does it thwart the kind of polling in some way? Uh, Will she have the enthusiasm of her own base given some of these WikiLeaks revelations out there showing how dismissive, as you pointed out, her campaign team is of Bernie Sanders supporters, of of the minorities that she claims to represent. So I'm not quite sure we have a real sense of the ground game and how it unfolds on Election Day. But in terms of the debate, that certainly seems to be Donald Trump's strategy. He seems to think there are untapped stores of voters that he can get to turn out, because that seems to be the... Uh, the basis behind his his flash and burn campaign at the moment
2: would you think is it fair to say kim for you uh is this the most policy-free general election campaign <laughs> you've 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 ever covered or is there anything else come close to this
1: no I mean, we what policies, what issues? I can't even think about the last time one of the candidates mentioned them. (laughs) It it is utterly policy-free, and it's a great shame for the American public because they care about the issues, and they are at the moment stuck with, you know, Two candidates, neither of whom are talking about the bread and butter concerns of the average American and a press who is happily sort of stoking all the flames of a personality-driven contest. And and again, it's the voters who are losing out. It's, it's a real pity.
2: Now, now you, you work at The Wall Street Journal, so you deal with the, the journalism, journalism types. I mean, outside outside of The Wall Street Journal, I'm sure you've got friends, colleagues, acquaintances Do you ever get the chance, just off the record, and no names or anything, I'm just wondering, do you ever get the chance to sort of just, you know, poke somebody who works for the Times or any of these places, you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post or any of these places and just say, I mean, you guys know that this is ridiculous what you're doing, right? Like, you know that this isn't, like, journalism. Do you ever get that chance? I'm just wondering. Is that something – they won't talk to people like me. I'm (laughs) right-wing.
1: I try not to poke them, and I have a lot of colleagues. My my theory, by the way, on media bias is – it's not In all my years, and I have worked with many fine journalists who work on you know, the news side of organizations, and um, very few have I ever met in my life who I would say are overtly political and abuse their position to overtly try to help one political side. The problem is actually far more subtle and therefore worrisome in that you have masses of journalists who work at these newspapers who do not even realize that they are biased. They all come out of the same schools. They all grew up in the same environment. They're all slightly left to center. All the people they associate all think the same way they do. It's like that famous Pauline Kale, you know, statement up in New York. I never met anyone who voted for Richard Nixon, right. uh, because she never left Manhattan. <laughs> so, you know, this is part of the bubble problem of journalism these days and, uh, The the unknowing of the bias is is almost worse than a knowing bias.
2: Last one for you, Kim, before we let you go. I've had this theory I've been saying for a while here on the show that I believe that journalists, many journalists actually think that it is their ethical duty to cast aside normal journalists' impartiality to prevent Trump from becoming the next president, that, that, that it is the ethical thing to do. It's not just their preference. It's actually they have a moral obligation to stop Trump. Do you see any of that? Do you agree with any of that, or you think that's going too far?
1: Oh, no, I do think we've reached that stage at in, in this point in the election, that the press has weirdly uh, adopted a crusading stance that somehow they need to be the savior of this country. And to the extent they had any neutrality before, the pretense of that has been very well dropped. and And you see that in the coverage and, again, in the choice of what to cover. And it's, they're doing grave damage not just to their institution, but again, I think to the country because when the public loses faith in just basic institutions, you know, look, who can have any faith right now in the Department of Justice, given how this Hillary Clinton operation rolled? Who can have much faith in the, in the presidency, given the lack of respect for implementing or, or instituting laws uh, and, uh, and just making up new ones as you go along? Now we have this incredible new failure of faith in the press. Uh, And it sets the country up, I think, for very upsetting and potentially anarchic times.
2: All right. Kim Strassel is the author of The Intimidation Game, How the Left is Silencing Free Speech. It's available in bookstores and on Amazon. And she's a columnist for The Wall Street Journal. Kim, great to have you. Thank you so much for calling in.
1: Thank you for having me. The Buck Sexton Show.